0: Greetings, all, and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome, listeners. Um, this is a special episode. I say that every episode, not every one, but I say it on a lot of episodes. First of all, because they're all special to me. They're like my children. You can't choose favorites. <laughs> um, and, but there's also there are a lot of reunions that happen on the show. There's a, a lot of guests come on, people I haven't spoken to in years, people who we've known for a long time. And there are just some nice connections happening today. Um, But it's also a truly special episode because it's our first annual uh, Pride episode. Although we've been on the air, we've been recording for longer than a year. Last summer, we were in such disarray because we were just like a newborn. You know, like when a horse gets born and it's just like a foal and he's trying to walk and his legs are just flipping out all over the place. (laughs) You know, that's basically where we were last Pride. So we didn't have it together. So this is... Now that we're fully formed stallions, uh, we can have <laughs> we can have a pride show. And I couldn't think of two better guests to be here uh, than two dear old friends. One, a friend of the show who's been on many times and one uh, first timer, um, Travis Johnson. You all know very well, he's been on the show many times. Uh, he's also written a lot of content for the site. Very, very talented writer. Very funny man. Very insightful cultural critic, Travis Johnson. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you. As always, Travis. It's it's hard not to say nice things about you. Other people, you know, I might not (laughs) give them such a nice intro. (laughs) You're just, you know, I mean, you're just generally pleasant, except when you're not. And even when you're unpleasant, you're hilarious. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and and our other guest today is Teek Milan, an old friend. We talked about how we knew each other already, but let's just keep it brief and say, once upon a time, Teek Milan and I worked together at Rolling Stone magazine. Isn't that a wonderfully misleading way to describe how we know each other, (laughs) Teek? Yeah, Teek is a very talented writer, was a journalist for a long time when we were at uh, Rolling Stone magazine, Uh, was a great music critic, uh, also a creative writer, public speaker, advocate, just all around wonderful person. Teek, thanks for coming on. It's great to hear your voice and thanks for making time to be here today. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah. So Travis, I'm coming straight for you because it's our Pride episode. And of course, I have to look back and be like, oh, what is this year in gay news? What is this year in trans news? And there's, it's like a roller coaster ride because there's there are great stuff and there's terrible stuff. And, you know, if you set your metronome to, you know, the, the two steps forward, one step back of, you know, gay and trans rights in this country, you'd, you'd probably lose your mind. But when I came to you to say, hey, what do you want to talk about? We're doing our pride show. What do you you want to talk talk about? Gay stuff, what do you want to talk about? And you said, uh, he said, I'm happy to come on. It's a great time to be uh, queer and brown. Was that the right phrase? That is exactly what I
1: said. And actually what's really funny right now (laughs) is that the bar underneath my apartment is normally silent (laughs) on a Sunday night. And they have decided to have their first pride party right this very second. Yeah, nice. maybe your that. <laughs> it's actually the unexpected. kind of
0: ambient sound that we're looking for here. You know what I'm saying? It be kind of, gives so us sorry. a little bit of cultural credibility. You know what I'm saying? Like, Funny. be like, well, sorry. actually, the noise you hear in the background is, is Pride a gay party live.
1: I'm <laughs> Pride recording live. from Brooklyn Pride live live at this Brooklyn moment. Pride. <laughs> yeah, I just felt <laughs> like you know, there's so much wrong, obviously, that we talk about all the time, but I really. Was present and thankful for like I feel like, like at my job and in my family, more so than ever in my life. I feel like a lot of honest, difficult conversations are happening about people's bias and prejudice and taking responsibilities for like making folks uncomfortable and hurting feelings. That like I feel actually very hopeful right now. You're um, helpful? I feel hopeful.
0: hopeful. Oh, I was gonna hopeful. say helpful. I was like, wow, man, you're you're holding people's hands as they go through all of this. That's a lot I'm to doing ask none of you, Travis. <laughs> <hand-holding. laughs> like um, right this way like... you biased young gentleman <laughs> 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 let me teach you the error
1: in your way no, you're, being, you're hopeful you're not helpful hope- yeah hopeful. like because i think that's the work i think that's the human work is really connecting with each other so even in my own family and my own job i see that happening so yeah i feel really hopeful right now so
0: what i mean what do you think has precipitated that i mean I, i've noticed the same thing there are a lot more conversations uh difficult conversations about a lot of things i mean you know we're having a lot more conversations about gender we're having a lot more conversations about race uh you know i assume the president has something to do with it um but we're also having a lot more conversations about gender gender identity sexuality and it's it's coming up in places where you you'd be surprised you know what i'm saying like uh they're they're really uh, I, and I'm curious, what's what's precipitating that? Is it the news? Is it the times? Is is it all this advocacy and people forcing these conversations is really
1: paying off? Uh, I mean, what what do you think, Travis? I think it's all of those things. I think it yeah. is. I think our president has a lot to do with it. Um, I know in my own personal experience, it is people um, coming to the table demanding the respect that they feel everyone receives, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's and that's forcing a lot of people to look at like where. Am I not inclusive Where am I not um, doing the most I can to make sure everyone contributes and everyone is rising equal and has an equal shot? Yeah. Um, I work for legal aid and we are having those conversations all the time now. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been there for most of my legal career. And I can tell you when I started, these weren't conversations that we were having. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels, and if, you know, we who serve the community weren't having these conversations, and are struggling. I just think it's really great to be at a place where we can like, where where when our dealing with our bias will have such an immediate impact.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I've I've noticed a shift in the conversation too. I mean, I this is one of the advantages of aging is that you can look back and kind of confirm that the, you know, the arc of justice is long. But you know, however the quote ends in a good way, <laughs> you know, it's going towards the right. You stuff. So you better hope that ends that's well. What, that's what that's what Dr. King said. The arc of justice is long, but it's gonna be cool in the end. Or something, something to that effect is what just close enough. What, what, close it works out. It works out. Yeah. Yeah. Just point your feet downriver, children. Uh, <laughs> Now teek, I don't want to force you into this place of optimism, but what do you think when you hear that sentence it's good to, a good time to be queer and brown it's it's also maybe not a good time but what what are you what's your response to that statement?
2: I mean yeah it's it's a good time to be queer and brown in the United States you know thinking from a global perspective not so much for other people around the world but um, you know right now we're really at a time of, of some real critical change. And I think a lot of that change definitely has to do with the conversation that we're forced to have because of what this stupid fuck of a president that we have is doing, um, trying to really just systematically strip trans people of our rights. And the fact that there's just so much more representation. Like, I'm just thinking back from the time when we did that show back in 06 to now, what's that, like 13 years. There's been such a huge, there's been such a huge increase in trans people uh, on TV and trans people on TV. Who are te- whose who stories are being told in a really authentic way, and it's not always being criminalized and, and mentally ill or like you know just it's all always surrounded in all of this like this negative awful shit. It's just you know stories that are more complicated uh, and are more complex, and really just bringing like the humanity to the trans experience. I think has been has been monumental in. And the shift in the culture. You know, and i was I was working at Glad for a while. I was a senior media strategist there and I was the national spokesman for for trans news. But that was one of the things that we worked on really hard was how can we ensure that the media representation of LGBT people is a part of the change in the culture that we need to see. Because once that culture changes, when do we see when we see the policies change? You know, and that was the whole thing we wanna, you know, change the people, change the culture change the policies in order to bring people in a place where everybody's kind of on an equal footing, right? When we're looking at things, we're looking at things through a lens of equity as opposed to a lens of like equality, you know? And I think and I think that that was one of the, the, the issues that we've seen in the LGBT community and the movement. We were just so focused on marriage equality for so long. Um, you know, and once that kind of hit the gate, everybody was like, well, now what? And so that really did create a lot of space for folks to really start looking at other issues that were going on. And looking at the most marginal of us in community, and it was trans people, particularly like Black trans women, you know. So I think all of these things are coming together has really this really created a moment for us um, where you know it, I could feel the change, even though you know we have all this representation. You know, Black trans women are still being murdered. Like four four trans women were, were murdered just here in, in June. It's been ten this year already. So you know um, that th- there's still a lot that has to happen. Um, but I'm happy to see I'm 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 inspired by where where we've how far we've come and you know I can still see you know where exactly is we need to go so it's good I'm happy to be queer I'm happy to be black I'm happy to be trans it's fucking great
0: <laughs> I I'm I'm glad you mentioned representation because we talk about it so much that the word sometimes like kind of loses meaning we're like oh representation representation uh, we know it's important but you know anytime you Say anything enough time, it kind of loses meaning. But I really think there is something there to what you said about um, you know the stories of people being told in an accurate way, the stories of of marginalized people being told by those marginalized people in a way that's not interpreted, you know, or translated for you know general consumption. Where it's just like not this is yeah, it's like this is what it is, you know. I am saying it's not like a quirky sidekick on a sitcom, you know. Uh it's like this life is complicated. You know, people love that show, Transparent. I think that was one of the first. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just remember what a what a shift that was for people yeah. to see that kind of representation. And then now that's trickled down because that, you know, transparent was in a lot of ways like a very white show, and which is whatever, it's fine. You we can have white shows. Um yeah. but it's kind of trickled down into like, nah, like there are other there are many facets to this experience and being like a middle class white trans person is very challenging, but it's very different from being a poor black trans person. You know what I mean? And now we're starting to see those stories told in an accurate way that aren't, they're not just horror stories. They're not just like, oh, it's not just about pain. It's not about anguish. It's just, it's about like, this is my life. And sometimes it's joyful. Sometimes it's not just like your life. Um, And that makes a big difference. And and you gave me a very easy segue. Thank you for that T, unknowingly. (laughs) To what huh. I want to what I want to ask Travis about now, which oh, is God. which is the uh, the saga the the Jussie saga, which is now Jesse Smollett saga, brother Jesse, brother
2: brother Jesse, Jesse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is now I mean it, it, the, the Jesse saga <laughs> touches on so many points of our culture, independent of gayness, gayness or even independent of blackness or whatever. It's like it's the convergence of every social issue that we really need to unpack right now, including. Um, you know, the president's in there, man. You know, it's like he ostensibly, I don't know this, allegedly made up the story of an attack. And let's say he did make it up. While he was making it up, he was like, hmm, what would these guys say? You know, they would say, this is MAGA country, you know? And people would be like, yeah, man, because it confirms we have our own bias, right? If you're like a liberal person, who doesn't like the president, you have your own bias. And it's confirmed by like, yeah, that is what happened. Some crackers in Chicago. Are saying this is MAGA country, and they're going after him because that's he's what black they're and gay. doing. They're riding yeah. around and that, that's exactly what's looking, happening in Chicago yeah. right now, right yep. by the lake. There's a bunch yep. of crackers driving around in pickup trucks, attacking. You know, it's like it confirms viewers our suspicions. Of, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, viewers <laughs> of Dusty <laughs> Smollett wearing MAGA hats yes yeah that's exactly going going
0: after him because you know you know empire Empire. you get a lot of MAGA you get a lot of Trump supporters watching empire we all know that (laughs) and they must be like (laughs) man I hate that character I'm gonna find that actor you know but it confirmed our bias that's why we were so ready to believe it when we first heard it we're like of
1: course that's what happened you know you can't just I mean the world is so crazy yeah. that like that was not completely unbelievable like no. while that was happening it, it was, was totally entire, believable. Yeah. so many other crazy things similar to that were happening in the news at that same time
0: which is why it was so heartbreaking to learn that uh any rational person would now say it did not happen you know yeah uh right. because damn you know like it, it seemed like a great way to force a conversation say like, hey look now we have a famous rich handsome Gay black guy who was attacked. Maybe we'll listen to this a little bit AKA more. AKA harmless. Yeah, harmless, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he's not too, too masculine. He's not too threatening, you know? Uh, He's not too, quote unquote, too black. Right. It's like, oh, great. Now we have. Yeah, exactly. This is this is our you know, this is our Nat King Cole. This could be the person who we but way lighter, way way lighter. (laughs) 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 And then to find all these layers stripped away. It's like, damn, now we can't talk about it because it confirms the bias of the bigoted. You know, right. portion of our populace that is like see it's all made up you know and, and that is a really kind of sad temperature gauge but yeah. uh we don't need to do a play-by-play of what's happened now from what i understand they're reopening yet again reopening an investigation into what he did or did not do and whether he should have criminal charges and why they dropped the charges and all that so we don't need that update but maybe now with a little bit of time we do like to do slow news on this show you know what i'm saying it's like the opposite of fast food you know it's like the slow food movement we have a slow news movement where we like revisit a story months later love it now that we have leftovers. the pers- yes exactly leftovers that's <laughs> what we should call it that's what this show should be called leftovers <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> leftovers are great some food improves with time as my mother it's would say tasty with some hindsight yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, gets a, it gets to marinate a little longer <laughs> <laughs> so with a little bit of hindsight and context you know where where are you now with this jesse smollett business um, does my and- pride include jesse I mean, yeah. why There's room in the tent for Jesse. He's a prodigal son. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's right. bring it. Let's bring him back. Brother. Where Where are you with it? Because you never said, "Damn you, Jesse." You just said, "Wow, man, what a mess." Uh, is that Is that still where you are? Um.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in a word, <laughs> I. Ugh. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to any thinking person that like this was like made up, and it seems, um particularly cruel right because i think hate crimes and things like this are important issues that we don't give enough attention to right um and i don't think that like i don't think that he necessarily like lessens the credibility of anyone who survived any type of violence um but i do think that it was a a moment where this could have been um an attention could have been paid that would not normally have been given Mm -hmm. and like that opportunity is lost um and I just think, like, for people who've experienced it and for people who were um, falling behind him because of how triggering a button that is to push, I think it was an immensely cruel thing for a human being to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so And so that's that's still trying to figure out, like, what kind of... what I am fascinated um, to, like, figure out, like, what would lead a person down that path. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that there's a possibility for, like, any type of redemption because like he's still in the like not admitting it phase right right Um, and so it's just like just hoping that enough time will pass where people will forget it which is not impossible yeah we
0: forget a lot we have short memory span you know what i'm saying like everybody's like man remember george w bush he was such a great president you know like you know what i'm saying like we (laughs) we have a tendency yeah he was cute you know he's adorable yeah, Compared to this guy we got yeah. now, you know, we, we miss well, George you, W. I'm like, are you
1: crazy? When we like, yeah. Nuclear was so funny. He couldn't say nuclear. Yeah. without yeah. that yeah. Was so, yeah, cute. That's
0: adorable. That's a problem. <laughs> exactly. Like, I love how you, you know, made up a bunch of lies to invade a sovereign nation and kill millions of innocent people. <laughs> that's adorable. adorable. It's much better than this disorganized mess. You know, I pre- prefer that to a dumpster fire. No, I don't. I prefer the dumpster fire because dumpster fires don't get much done. But when you have a team of people an administration that's organized and you got Cheney at the helm, you know what I'm saying? That felt more dangerous. But that's a different conversation for another day. (laughs) My my issue with Jesse, and I do want to get your take on this, Teak, because Mm -hmm. although Travis has been following the story very closely, we all have opinions on it. There you go. He's come clean. He's obsessed with it. Uh, My issue is... um, Because I want to say, hey, his instincts were good, kind of, you know, like he wants to call attention to this thing that is real. You know, people get targeted for violence because of how they present in the world. That's a problem. And maybe he thought this was a good way to do that. But then I think this already happens all the time. Why don't you just choose the last person who was murdered for being gay or trans or black and make that your issue? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have you don't have to make up a story because there's already so many people who actually are being targeted for violence. Yep. And that's what—that's where I
1: fall with Jesse. He I, wouldn't get yeah. to claim to be the gay Tupac if he did that.
2: Exactly. That's the problem. Everybody like, wants to be Tupac. Stage, he got on stage and called himself the gay Tupac, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, we, we all
0: were hoping for, for gay Pac Shakur. And and it would have been great. No one was hoping yeah. for that. No, yeah, Nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody
1: that. wanted gay Pac Shakur? Nobody.
0: Listen. Tupac zero Shakur wanted that yeah. tupac shakur did a photo shoot with um la chapelle where I, you know yes. he's he's Thank in a you. bubble bath and he's got suds on his head and he's staring seductively at the camera So maybe
1: you wanted that <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, my, my words have now been turned around Rightly so,
1: <laughs> Russell.
0: yeah. I mean, that was wh- such whether a detailed <laughs>
1: description, I have
0: the photo hanging in my bathroom, so that's why I know this. <laughs> it's a beautiful photo, he's, he's, he's a beautiful man, photographed
1: okay. well. You I know. stand corrected, somebody
0: wanted this. I mean, whether or not right. Tupac was gay, he was certainly a gay icon. You know what I mean? Like he, he was just a beautiful yeah. man that people yeah. had posters on the wall. And for a lot of people, it was more fair. about his appearance than it was about his lyricism. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Fair. Yeah. That fair. So, fair. Yeah. Yeah. so back to Gay Park Shakur. Teak, we Brother, have, Jesse. Uh, Brother, Jesse, yes. Brother Jesse. Brother Jesse. Brother Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Teak, please, please share your thoughts on Brother Jesse. You
2: know, I like Jesse. I've got to meet him a couple of yeah. times. Personally, I think he's a sweet guy. I just, I don't. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what the fuck was you thinking, son? Like, why did you have to lie? Why did you have to take it so deep with the with the noose and the hats and the? I don't, mm. yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I don't, I'm really trying to understand, like, what his motivation it was behind it. But I don't, mm. I don't, I have, you know, there's no love lost. And when, this is the one thing that I'm, you know, I'm not in the business of throwing away black people who make mistakes unless you're like r kelly or 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 bill cosby right. yeah, it, they can rot in yeah, hell throw throw, <laughs> throw throw away throw away, <laughs> throw, throw, away. away throw away but Stay i'm not in the business with you <laughs> okay i'm not in the business of throwing folks away because there's something deeper that's happening here you know and then you know not just not to like shift goalposts you know but the attention that this is getting uh you know he lied to the police uh you know he, this is his hoax The fucking police lie all the time. You know, they lie all the time and they fucking kill people and they lie all the time and nobody had nobody has shit to fucking say about it. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm like, whatever. I don't give a fuck. He lied and I don't care. But I do care about why though. You know, I I I wanna know like what he was thinking and and what was what was his end goal. They try to say it was about money, but that doesn't make any sense. Like he really just kind of just ruined his own life with this, you know, in his own career. You know, um, so that for me this is the saddest part about it. Like I don't care about the police right. resources. I don't really care that it was a hoax. I care that he's really, really just stopped his his trajectory. He really stopped himself. He really just kind of fucked himself in this way um, and I feel and I feel bad about about that but I also think like the way this has gotten so much media attention the way people use this as a way to say see like hate crimes aren't a real thing and you know like you were saying before like this you know this false accusation now it, it really just like taints all, everything that, that happens to people well, not everything but for a lot of people particularly for white people they see this and so now for them when we hear about hate crimes against gay folks or trans folks or black people there's this place in their mind that they can quickly go as a point of reference that this may not be true So that sucks, you know, Um, but at the end of the day, I still got love for him. I think
1: there's like an even more like more immediate piece where like um, it goes into like how defensive Trump supporters can be about like how exactly people are telling on them. Exactly. Like you made up this about like we're all racist, violent people. And that story was completely made up. It's like, no, some of you really,
2: really are. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Some of you are really awful we can't people.
1: Talk about that now.
2: Right. But yeah. I agree. I
1: just totally believe like it, there's this person who had like all this potential um yeah. to get so much wonderful work done and was doing such wonderful work. He was um, doing so good. And then listen, all I can say is Russell from This Is Us better keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> it it's there's so much Randall, that's his name. <coughs> Randall, Randall. Randall, 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 Randall. Randall Pearson better keep it together <laughs> there's already
0: so much conspiracy yeah. fodder out there if you're kind of like an yeah. all right person you know what yeah. i'm saying like you think yeah. everything's a conspiracy the man, last thing we needed was a confirmed
1: conspiracy right, because right. now everything's
0: a conspiracy <laughs> exactly
1: it's like it's like just but what's man, so it- interesting about it is that it was so many competing um privileges working at the same time right yep. um because yeah he's a gay black man which is like oppression far, I guess. But, like, if he weren't a celebrity, no way was, was that amount of police resources going to be given no. to, like, his investigation, right? And so, like, they're upset. They spent so many overtime hours trying to find... Mm-hmm. The person who I was like, was there no other hate crime reported in really? Chicago <laughs> anywhere around that time? Um, okay. So so they're they're, they're, so they're like mad because the somebody his, made them do
0: their job. You exactly. Know
1: <laughs> <And> they, <laughs> in my experience, if like the police don't believe you, they just don't arrest nobody. They don't like then prosecute you later. Yeah. It's yeah. such an odd, yeah. like convergence yeah. of like all these competing powers going yeah. on at the same. Like his own privilege working and also working against him at the same yeah. time. Yep. Well, this
0: is, well, now we can safely say that if I have um, a, a, a pathological fixation on Drake and everything that happens in his life, we can say now, Travis, Jussie is your Drake. And maybe, maybe that's Drake more... might also be my Drake, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Drake is all of our Drake. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: Whenever I feel particularly like a Drake hater, I just call him Aubrey and it makes me feel so much better. That's
0: what, that's what we all yeah, do. So... Welcome. Welcome. We just we just like, oh, Aubrey. You. Yeah, Aubrey, Aubrey, Aubrey. Aubrey. Where is it? Nowhere. Aubrey again. Very well. (laughs) So my, I I obviously I wish we could spend the whole show talking about Jesse. I wish every show we could spend the whole show. This could just be the Jesse show, really. And and it's another. We have a lot of spinoffs in the works, and and the Jesse show, Brother Jesse, is one of them. (laughs) Brother Jesse (laughs) coming this fall. The the last thing I'll say about it is uh, similar to what you said, Travis. Like, and 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 you too, Teak like, I want to have a healing moment with Jesse. I want, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to forgive him. I want him to come out and say, Hey, here's why I did this. And it was really silly and stupid. And I recognize that it hurt people, but these were my instincts. And I apologize. Cause I know I hurt a lot of people and I, I want to come back into the tent, you know? Yeah. Um, but he's kind of denying us all that moment of healing by, by maintaining his innocence which i guess and maybe i'm starting to sound like a a district attorney where it's like listen just come in and say you did it so we can get this over with you (laughs) know so i'm not it's like obviously i work for the public defender's office so i don't want anybody to come in and admit their guilt but in order for us all to heal you know that's that's why this story is still it's not resolved for me because i haven't had that healing moment we haven't had that healing moment with him and yeah. maybe it will come, you know. May, maybe it will come, and I'm I'm open for. I'm ready for you, brother Justin. Please. Yeah, he need to he need to go on to Oprah. Come he need to sit down
2: home. with Oprah or something and do a little redemption tour. Yeah. Oh, you that's a I mean? great
0: idea. Okay. Just sit down, down with we Oprah. We know if, if if anybody has Oprah's phone number, you. Can you please just reach out? Like, I mean, I could over. possibly make that
2: happen, you know? Yes,
0: just make the call. Just make the call. We trust you. You've been tasked with this now. I don't have those kind of phone numbers. I feel yet.
2: like he has to go
1: back to Robin Roberts, because that's who he made a fool of. That's who mm-hmm. did the first interview. Mm-hmm. He has to go back to her.
0: Oh, right. That's true. You know who I really want to see do this is Wendy damn Williams. Uh, that's yeah. she would be like a five-minute interview. <laughs> that's would just be competing shade. <laughs> <laughs> the stage would explode from shade. It would be so shady that's you couldn't just, see anything. Right. <laughs> be like, wait, who's up
1: there? What? It would just who's be a
0: podcast. There'd yeah. be no video.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: the message from Quest On Media. First of all, Brother Jesse, you're welcome to come on our show anytime if you want to have this healing moment. It'll be our most major scoop. But if you do go on Oprah or Wendy Williams, I will be watching and I'm ready to forgive because that's
1: the kind of person I am. And it sounds like Travis is ready too. Um yeah but i i, I mean do... i grew up in the baptist church we don't we do shame so just show some shame yeah. <laughs> yeah. you don't have I, to be genuinely know, sorry yeah. just, as a as a shame.
0: recovering catholic i can say we do the same thing it's your your traditions are not your own <laughs> they are they are a, they are cross there what do they call it interfaith it is an interfaith practice Interfaith cross to bear <laughs> yes, <we're... laughs> That's the appropriate metaphor. Yes, it is.
1: Um,
0: So, uh, Teek, I want to come back to you. We we did talk a little bit before we started to record about um, a subject that I I love to hear you speak on, which is masculinity, Um, because you don't talk about it in a way where it's like, oh, this is gay masculinity or this is, you know, straight masculinity or toxic masculinity. Talk about manhood. And I I think it's always important to talk about manhood and the good things about being a man and the bad things about being a man. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that we're finally really confronting ourselves and our shortcomings. Um, But I I think part of the reason that your words resonate, not just with me, but with lots of other people is because um, even though uh, this this conversation has also changed and died down because we've heard the phrase so many times, but we've talked a lot about the way that men act towards women. Uh, in the past year or so, with Harvey Weinstein and Me Too, which forced a lot of important conversations, and and a big part of that was what the hell is wrong with men? And maybe that's yeah. the way the wrong way to ask that question. And I don't know what the right way is, but yeah, I'm 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 starting with the man in the mirror, as another right. prob- problematic person once said. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, <laughs> but we'll just leave that alone for now. Yeah. I'm starting with the man in the mirror and I'm asking these questions, but you have a real gift for contextualizing that, that conversation. And you have a, you know, I think it's fair to say a unique perspective as yeah. a trans man to talk about masculinity. Yeah. Um, so what are, and you do a lot of public speaking, what are the yeah. themes now? What are people asking you when you uh, appear publicly to have these conversations? What is the, what are the more challenging questions? How are you trying to come to terms with your own masculinity and what, well, you know, what society puts on us as men.
2: Yeah. Well, this is what I found as a, as a speaker is what'd be a bit of one of my frustrations as a speaker. You know, I travel the country, I go to probably, you know, 20, 20 universities a year. um, talking about, you know, what I call organic masculinity, talking about, um, talking about sex and consent, um, feminism, all these things. But what happens is it's always, it's always the, the gay kids that invite me to the campus you know or they're like the very like liberal like radical black kids that invite me to the campus there have been times where i've come to give talks on assault and sexual consent to like frat boys and no one will show up (laughs) you know what i'm saying so that's been like that's that's been like the biggest fucking the biggest fucking frustration for me is that i'm not able it's been not necessarily not able but it has been very very challenging to really reach the people that I feel need to have this conversation, who need this need this more mm-hmm. than just like the queer kids, need this more than just like the more in, in, enlightened, you know, people of color, but more like, you know, the straight, you know, the, the straight cisgender uh, white boys and black boys, because you know, men, black, white, whatever, I, can be real fucking trash bags, um, <laughs> you know, but aren't aren't having this conversation um, and aren't ready to have this conversation, and and like you said, it does start with 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 the man in the mirror, and I think that there's something about masculinity. Um, in a traditional sense when we think about it that's that doesn't create space for us to be really uh self-reflective you know what i'm saying and i think that that's comes from how masculinity is defined right so as a trans man when i started my transition you know because you knew me before my transition i started my transition a year after that oh and quick mm-hmm. sidebar you know the fucking director of, of Rolling stone i can't remember his name i had to block him on facebook because he's saying some really <laughs> fuck, he was saying some racist shit and i was like the fuck off my page i had to block him I can't remember his name. But he tried to make me come out as trans on camera. You know what I'm saying? Because he and I had a conversation about it while we were in Denmark. And then he got on camera. He was trying to, like, get me to do it. But I I couldn't. Anyway. So anyway, so when I transitioned, um, you know, did my legal transition, my medical transition. But I had to think about what the social transition was going to look like. And I think that I had a a warped kind of idea of what it meant to be a man in the world. Like. I thought I was just going to be like this stoic person, and I was just going to be this hero, and I was just gonna—I was going just going to have all the answers. And there was this, you know, there was this this place that I was supposed to land, just because you know I'm taking a shot of testosterone every two weeks. Um, and what I come to find with masculinity is that masculinity is is, is really like wounded in a lot of ways, and, it's, and I think it's wounded because so much of masculinity is defined by things outside of itself. It's like you know, men are so focused on being men for other men instead of being men for themselves and being men for like the women and feminine people in their lives right and are so focused on like i'm a man because i can control this because i i possess this because i won this because i'm better than this but what happens when you take all of that away and what kind what is left of your manhood when you stop comparing when it's when it's not about its relationship to everything else in relationship to something that's really tethered to your spirit you know, um, yeah. and, and that's the that's the that's the place that I, I try to approach my manhood and my masculinity from. It's just it, 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 it being something that's really self-determined, you know, it's something that's not imposed. And that's the thing that I, I see with men, particularly with, with straight men, particularly with, with cisgender men, you know, um, that the ma- masculinity is a box that they have to go into instead of a box that they've created for themselves or a place that they've yeah. created for themselves. You yeah. know, and I think that masculinity is much more complicated and much more complex than what we allow it to be. You know, there's a there's a place for masculinity to be strong and be compassionate. You know, nurturing is is something that is a masculine trait. You know, it's it's important for us to have, you know, emotional health and be able to, you know, have a relationship with our emotions without without feeling like you know, it's tearing down our masculinity. Like, so there's so many things that can just that fuck up a man's masculinity. Like something as like simple as like the color pink. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh god, yeah. color pink. Now I'm not a man anymore. Like it's Unless that's you dumb can't shit. Rock. <laughs> Unless you're camera, because <laughs> that nigga can rock some pink. You know what I mean? <laughs> fur, um pink fur. <laughs> a pink and fur. Still be hard. And, a, and a pink Hummer. And in yeah. a pink Hummer <laughs> with a pink phone, and a pink flip phone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, it's just it's just so many things that can undo men. Well what is it well, what is it that fortifies us? And that's and that's the place that I that I'm trying to understand and the place that I, I'm working at getting to is really understand what fortifies me as a man and really letting go of the things that can that can that can take it away from me. There's not too many things that can take my manhood from me. Because my manhood is something that I cultivated on my own. I wasn't born into this. You know what I mean? This is this is something that I evolved into, you know, so it's it's mine to make. And I think that as a transgender man, what I what I Try to explain to people is that, you know, my experience, my transgender experience is something like inspiration, motivation for LGBT people and trans people, and all of that. Yes, yes, yes. But at the same time, I think that a lot of straight people and cisgender people can also learn from the trans experience because it's about self-determination. And we all have an experience of gender, even if your gender isn't something that you, you know didn't like quote choose you know what i'm saying as Mm -hmm. cisgender people you have an experience of gender but what does it look like to be in control of what that is instead of having everybody tell you how you're supposed to be in the world you know and that's what that's what it has meant for me to be a trans person that you know i said this is this is the man that i am this is the person that i am and i'm going to do it exactly how i want to, you know and i think that there's a there's a freedom in that um and i think there's a freedom in that that i think um you know, cis straight people could should adopt to be to be healthier in their gender.
0: I this is why <clears> I <throat> love hearing you talk about this subject. It's because these are things that I think about all the time as they relate to myself and people yeah. that people in my life, men men who yeah. I love. Um, but I'm just not able to say it very eloquently. So yeah. there you have it, teak, being my spokesmer- spokesperson for myself in in a semi of masculinity <laughs> because I, you know, I get very I, I've been hung up on the phrase toxic masculinity because on the one hand, I think it's good that it identifies a real thing there, that mm-hmm. is a real thing. Um, but sometimes I think it, it gets mistaken as like a redundant phrase like, you know, uh, you, you might say, oh, you don't have to say toxic masculinity. You could say masculinity because, you know, it's inherently toxic. And I think that's wrong. Mm, I think that, yeah. they're, you know, I think that's how it's interpreted a lot of the time. And maybe that's not fair yeah. to say, but I, I feel that way because, you know, what I'm saying I'm a man and I identify yeah. as a man and I like being a man. And I know that there are good things about me and I know good men and I don't like making generalizations about any group, even if it's a group that's experienced privilege, you know, right. Um, so I, I push back a little bit on it because, as you said, there are wonderful things about what we call masculinity mm-hmm. and something that I think we forget in the conversation about toxic masculinity is that a lot of that is imposed upon us. A yeah. lot of that is social conditioning. And we talk a lot about social conditioning to help to explain the, the behavior of of you know groups that are often victimized you know we talk about women a lot of the times and Mm -hmm. behaviors that you know it's like oh like women are socialized not to be let's say assertive in the in the work environment or something and that's a social imposition and i and i believe that to be true um right but a lot of this behavior that that men exhibit that's that that we exhibit that i exhibit as a man that's not good behavior Is something that I'm wrestling with because there is a lot of social pressure and there is a lot of social conditioning and the way out of toxic masculinity to me is identifying as you said better than I can say it uh, identifying like what what do I like about masculinity and being a man and, and being strong. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and, and taking care of your family and those, you know what I'm saying? The things that we associate with masculinity and tenderness, you know, and, uh, the things that should be celebrated and how do we separate that from what's been socialized into us that is not good. Um, and, and that's, I, it's very helpful to hear you talk about it again. It is a very unique perspective to be a trans man because you have to think about, you have had to think about your masculinity more than most cisgendered men because we, you know what I'm saying? We just are as we are. You yeah, know?
2: it's it's about is in being intentional. You know what I'm saying? And I think yes. intention being intentional in this life is so important. You know, as as men, as human beings, you know, we should live our life with with the greatest of intention, like every single day, and really working intentionally to be our best and most authentic selves. And I think in terms of gender, oftentimes we don't do that as men. It's just we are who we are. And I think I, I think right. you're right. I don't think that masculine is inherently toxic. Um, I think masculinity is can is very toxic, but I also think that there are modes where there are places where masculine is really healthy and we have to be able to be a fair witness, you know what I'm saying? And be able to talk about both of these things. But in order for us to have talks about what healthy masculinity is and start to grow that we as men have to be accountable to how we contribute to the toxicity of masculinity, whether it's through our personal behavior or, or just for the fact that we benefit from a system that is really violent and exploits women. And like just being able to to say that out loud, like we benefit from these things, and being intentional about about um, about separating ourselves from that, like, like not really like not being um, not being committed to to that type of oppression. You know what I'm saying? Like like right. you know what I'm saying? Like I, I think that that's 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 just really important. Like even like when I think about like my my white friends who are really light, I don't have a lot of white friends, but the ones that I do. Um, are white people who have really like divorced themselves from this idea of whiteness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what I'm saying. Like this idea of that toxic maleness, how to divorce yourselves from that and to come out of it better. And the only way we can do that is to be accountable. And the problem with being accountable means you have to be vulnerable. And that's, and and there's that, right? Like masculinity mm-hmm. is always put as like an, an opposition to being a man, in opposition to being vulnerable. But if you can't be vulnerable, right. then you can't be courageous and then you can't change. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I also saying? think part of that is also like we can't even have the conversation about how we are also victims of masculinity right exactly. like how we are also harmed yep. um by these notions yep you know, um for that same for that same reason
0: yep well i'm i'm glad you mentioned that travis because you have written very eloquently about these points in a roundabout way, right? You know, uh, John Singleton died and you, you wrote about uh, Boys in the Hood, about male friendship and about um, male tenderness, you know, which is an aspect of that film that people miss a lot, you know, and I, I wanna finish with you because, well, first we started with you, so it's a nice bookend, um, but I, because you're able to talk about this point in such an eloquent way, and and because I've been thinking about it so much, the I think my opinion about some of the most harmful uh, social impositions on men is what prevents us from th- this insistence that we cannot be intimate. You cannot have it's so difficult to have a truly intimate, uh, vulnerable relationship with another man or another person for that matter, um, because of you know a lot of its sexuality. You know this feared perception of being gay. Right whether you're straight or right. gay you're you're afraid right. of that perception, and that inability to have these you know oh, oh we fight against it and we 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 fight for the right to have these intimate friendships, but it's something that we have to be aware of and something we have to fight through um and I'm just curious to hear from you travis the role um that that those relationships play in that kind of healing you know if if you have found that your ability to overcome that has come from Uh, letting down that fear and and having those kind of intimate relationships that are not sexual relationships, whether you're gay or not, um, that really are just intimate relationships of vulnerability with other men. And that's what allows us to grow and perhaps overcome some of that social conditioning. If you think that's true, Travis, I don't know.
1: I absolutely think that's true. And I think um, in my experience, a lot of men gravitate to me um. And I feel like I, you know, being I think people straight men in particular, like, look at gay men sort of like um, I just feel like a lot of straight men are much more comfortable being vulnerable with me because they think that I'm a safe space for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it just occurs as such like a bereft thing in the world, like such a needed thing for men to be vulnerable with each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I th- cause when I look like I grew up in a family of women, like my mom had six sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and like, a you know, an additional aunties. And I look at like the supports they are for each other and the conversations that they've had and like what they know about each other and those friendships that lasted, you know, years. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I never saw any men in my life have similar supportive, affectionate, um, relationships and i think the men in my Mm -hmm. life suffered Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. that like my grandfather my father my brother my brother less so um but like when i think of like the friends that i could call and the friends that depend on who got me i would say from one breath to the next um i look at my dad and his you know he's 65 now and he doesn't have that yeah yeah and i and he and he struggles to relate to people and i see my brother struggles to like um Say Like, I love you. It's like a huge thing to say for him to like, even though it comes across in various ways, but like just the practice of saying that, mm. um, there's a way in which for him, those words are a trap. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's true. And I never yeah. felt that way. Yeah. And we grew up, you know, we I won't say that we even grew up in the same household because he's 10 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like um, being the youngest, maybe, like my ability my freedom i feel like to be emotionally expressive and creative and all of that not that it didn't create a lot of anxiety around me yeah but i feel like it was defended for me as the baby that in a way that it wasn't for my brother it pays to be the baby you know i'll say it i'm I'm, I'm the youngest you know what i'm saying
0: everybody's less uptight you know what I'm saying? Because the last few yeah. are out, are out, and you're like, "All right, well, this one's a little freaky, but that's fine. <laughs>
2: you gotta, you gotta yeah, get, <laughs>
0: you gotta get one freak. You know, that's okay. <laughs> they don't have the energy anymore think, to regulate. You.
1: Or you like learn? You know, I think my mother was just a very different mother from when she was 18 to when she was 28.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. Goddamn. Yeah, I, you know? I'd much rather so have like a 28 like, year old mom than an 18 year old mom.
1: Yeah. So like, when I pick up a doll to play with it, what's her reaction? It's very different than like if my brother did. Yeah. You know, she was just a very different parent.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. All of these, all of these factors are relevant. Uh, I, I want to thank both of you. I, I, I feel like we could just keep talking about this for hours. Obviously, there's so much more to explore. But I'm really happy that we arrived at this place—a a real, honest discussion about masculinity in a conversation about, you know, gayness and queerness and and transness. Uh, because there's central tenets that sometimes we forget because it's a big hodgepodge, and we think that these masculine issues only affect cis men or whatever. you know what I'm saying, straight cis men. it's like we all need to be checking ourselves around this stuff, and we all need to sure. own own part of it, and that's kind of what I really admire about you, Teek is like you're you don't you never present like, listen, I don't have these problems because I'm a trans black man. you're like, listen. I have all of these problems. I, all have of them. I have them, in you know, and then some because of yeah. who I am. And I think that's important just because, you know, you have one aspect of your identity that absolves you. You know, you're, you're not off the hook. We're all, we have to be a part of the solution. I'm just very happy that this is where the conversation led us. Uh, so I thank both of you for being here. Teek, this is fantastic. Please come back over and over again. Um, yeah, man, I'll re- be back. I'll come yeah. back on please do. And Travis, it's always a pleasure to have you. I look forward to seeing your copy you. of the latest developments in the Jesse Smollett story or whatever else you want to write about. <laughs> Although I really want that Jesse story. <laughs> uh, so thanks. Thanks to both of you. Thanks as always to our producer, E-Ming, who was very patient. Uh, in our tangents and somehow makes all, sense out of all of this. By the time you guys hear the episode, you're not going to believe it, but it's going to make so much sense. <laughs> 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 um, so so thanks again to Beyonce, and Thanks to all of our listeners. Until next time, Quest On, everybody.
1: This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.